Guys, I'm not going to lie, going into this new golf season, I not I wasn't like over the moon excited about the Rogue Driver from Callaway. Uh, you've heard me talk, uh, rave about my Epic Driver that I put in the bag last year. Significant upgrade over a driver I'd had for over five years. Uh, and just didn't, I, I, I loved it Epic. I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like I needed to change. Callaway, of course, sent us uh, some Rogue Drivers and I tried it out for the first time today. And I couldn't believe that it somehow got better. And I swear to God, I'm not just saying that. Uh, it felt longer. It felt like I was more con- in more control of it. Uh, the main difference between the Epic and the Rogue is the more forgiveness. Uh, and I stood over a couple of drives and I swear it just felt like cheating. I, was, I hit it in a hazard today that I did not even think was in play. So needless to say, I'm pretty excited about the Rogue Driver from Callaway. Go to callawaygolf.com slash jailbreak to find out more information about it. Pick one up for yourself to start the season. Let's get to the podcast with Brennan Porath. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about in? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Lang Up podcast. I think this is going to be a kind of an eventful one. Uh, it's 8.30 on the East Coast on Sunday night. I know that my guest, is, he's on the West Coast, he's in L.A., and so it's only 5.30 around his time, but I'm positive you have a chilled monster next to you and you're ready to roll. Of SB Nation, Brendan Porath. Chris, great to be back. You know, eventful day. It's 5.30 where I am, but I, I uh, started this day in D.C. and left my house at 6.30 a.m., took a six-hour flight, landed, watched another like six hours of golf that I didn't anticipate needing to watch. And if it wasn't for, as you guess, this monster Zero Ultra <laughs> I got next to me, a big one, got 32 new ounces. New sponsor I, on the show. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't be doing this right now if not for that, so... <laughs> Um, well, I was I was totally well. First of all, we're recording this Sunday night, and we just the the five, five of the playoff holes just concluded, and we just decided to go for the recording tonight. I don't think things are going to materially change between now and tomorrow on anything we had to say. So, unfortunately, we don't know who the winner of the Farmers Insurance Open is going to be. But I don't nothing. I mean, it's pretty kind of easy to predict what we would say if either Jason Day or Alex Noren won this thing. So uh, we went ahead and go for the recording while the, while the takes are hot because, man, that was quite an eventful uh, conclusion to, to regulation. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I think, like, you know, you said you wanted to do this. I was, you know, outlining all my Tiger takes and which directions would go. And, like, the day kind of morphed in, like, four different stages there. You know, there was, like, the J- angry J.B. Holmes stage, like, you know, the Tiger kind of, you know, I tried to shoot 65 today, stage. <laughs> then there's like the playoff, like, all right, this is like fatiguing. And then it was like the playoff, you know, this is lit. Like it was just, there was just so many like ups and downs throughout that entire day. I love how I think almost right when the the uh, Grammy coverage was supposed to start on CBS, and I have to go back and check the tape on the timing, but almost right when it started, if I if I remember right, he JB Holmes stood in the fairway and waited for four minutes and ten seconds to play his uh, approach shot into the 18th. Then he laid up after all that deliberation from only about 250, if I remember right, 
missed mm-hmm. the fairway on the layup. Afterwards, was asked by Ryan. I'm assuming Ryan Labner was the one that asked him. He tweeted this and and uh, asked if he regretted making him wait that long. He said, "No, I was trying to win the tournament at the time." Which begs the obvious question: If you're trying to win, you don't lay up. You needed an eagle there, and he laid up into the rough. And that's not to mention like the layup was complete garbage, right? He just like pulled it left. I mean, he got his birdie, which of course is gonna he's gonna walk off thinking like the results justify the means, and it, it doesn't at all. Yeah, and I think he did clarify a second uh, second a second comment that you know he thought his best chance to to make the playoff was to hole out from the fairway so i guess it is what it is i know that there's a lot of factors that go into that and that shot is really difficult as far because it seems like the ball always ends up on a downhill lie and that pin is just impossible to stop it near um so there are those factors to consider but man that whole thing was such a farce it's like i mean i know that I've never been one to really harp on the the emphasis of the 45-second technical rule that's in the rule book, just because I think there are so many things that can happen as a guy lines up a shot and just win factors and all that. And with everything kind of on the line on that 70-second hole, you can understand some delays. But four minutes is so egregious. And the fact that Alex Noren had to stand there in the fairway and wait to play his shot. He was tied for the lead at the time. A birdie wins it, and he had to wait for day or for, for uh for Holmes, who's one shot back and then ultimately lays up. That was that was just like, I'm glad it didn't really materially affect the finish. I'm glad Noren didn't bogey or anything like that, but it's yeah. hard to say what really uh, what effect that did have on the outcome. Yeah, you were all over that with your tweet about how, you know, Noren kind of, you know, they waited for the wind to die and then Noren like, you know, shoots one through the stands and, and you know, into the scoring area. I mean, that's it's exactly what Holmes did in 2015. And, and like, there was a lot more at stake. I even understood it then. And, you know, he got on, <clears throat> he laid up and then two putted for par and, and lost in the playoff today. Like, this was the same, like, he's a big hitter and he wasn't even really in it. You know, he had bogeyed three of the last four holes before he came to 18. It's just like, you know, take a cut. And if you're not going to take a cut, you know, just bump one up the fairway and don't take, you know, four minutes to do it. It takes a lot to really get, like, Jim Nance, you know, exasperated yeah. and mad at you. Like he's he's you know a nice guy usually on the call. He's not going to be too cr- critical. Although you know Tony Roma's kind of like rejuvenated him, put a little extra bite in him. Hopefully that translates to the golf season. But like Feldo and Nance were like audibly exasperated and kind of all over him. And that's kind of no you know no sure sign than that. Then you're you've kind of run everyone's patience yeah i mean and i think i said he was down one but he was down two so yeah he needed eagle to tie to even make the playoff day was already in at 10 under and yeah so that that was that that was that was horrible way to finish regulation the fact that there was like millions of viewers tuning in right there just makes it that much more (laughs) hilarious like legitimately probably the highest part at rated part of the day was you know all the grammy uh, viewers that were that were tuned in at that time so not a great commercial for the game of golf but i mean I mean, what? How, how does how does a rules official justify not getting involved in some capacity in that? I, I mean, you take fifty seconds, you take a minute. You know, that's that's you know, there's kind of this weird leeway with this rule. What's the point yeah. of the rule if four minutes is going to go by without a shot being played? There's there's no point. There, you know, it's it's an empty rule. It's a hollow rule if you're not going to enforce it, or at least kind of enforce it reasonably. You know, there's like a lot of there's a lot of laws that are you know the reasonable standard and all this other stuff. I mean, but like let, that was beyond the pale. Like there is no point to having a rules official monitor that. 
that is your clearest sign. That, that is like the most obvious violation. And, you know, we get all these millions of people trying to tune in to, you know, watch like little Uzi Burton. They got J.B. Holmes twiddling his thumbs in the fairway. Like they're trying to watch Rihanna or whatever. It was just like the worst possible advertisement for golf. There needs to be like a sliding scale of some kind of, of the fine too. Like if you, you know, that it's going to like exponentially increase the longer and longer you take. I never want guys to feel rushed when they hit shots. But like, as you said, Norin had a, like a hybrid in his hand and then the wind had, you know, I guess while he was standing there, he changed and went up to a three wood and hit it so far over the green. Who knows yeah. what happens if he actually hits the hybrid and, you know, maybe he hit it in the water and would have made bogey for all we know. But it just, you did kind of hate, hate to see that play out. But uh, after that, we ended with yeah. a three person playoff Ryan Palmer, Jason Day, and Norin. Uh, Day and Norin birdied the first playoff hole, and, and Palmer did not. And as we sit here, um, I think they birdied. They birdied all they, those guys birdied the 18th all three times, and then, then parred the 16th and 17th. So um, we're going to get into Norin for a little bit because uh, I've got we got a lot to cover in that regard. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. make everyone that tuned in just for the Norin uh, the Norin uh, Redemption Tour or Apology Tour. I'm going to make you wait a little bit longer for that, but <laughs> also for the Tiger stuff because it somehow became kind of a back a back not back of the page story, but not the biggest takeaway from this tournament, but. A lot of people had written Jason Day off. Uh, some of our friends. I'm not going to name his name in particular. Uh, <laughs> written but, off is like putting it mildly, like buried him, you know, in the ground. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a, he's done a lot of things over the past few years that people have become pretty disinterested in him or actively yeah. rooting against him, if you will. Sure. But uh, I don't know. I, I I I'm not the biggest J Day fan in the world. I kind of was a, a much bigger fan on the way up um, in his trajectory, but. I don't know. It kind of felt good to me to be watching him hit some of those golf shots out there. Did you have the same feeling? Yeah, I completely agree. And, and we jumped to you know Mister Above Ground Pool JB first because it's <laughs> easier to like yell about things and be mad about things. But you know, the Norin and Day really kind of redeemed that that frustration earlier on. I mean, it doesn't excuse it, of course, but I, I totally agree with you. Um, Day can kind of be. I don't know. He can be, for whatever reason, he just doesn't resonate, you know, with us, with me. And I understand it's completely subjective in the same way that, you know, a DJ does or a Rory does or, or some of players who are, you know, play kind of have similar styles. And some of that's his personality and, and whatever it is, it's subjective. But it was cool. Like, like you said, it was awesome to watch those guys kind of exchange haymakers. Like at one point I was kind of like this needs to end but you know then it, it kind of the energy you know the monster kicked in again and in those <laughs> last couple holes i was i was all in for it you know I, I appreciated what they were doing given the circumstances yeah i mean there were so many sh- I, I i couldn't figure out the right way to word the tweet but there was all, all close to double digit shots during that playoff that made me like audibly say like wow out loud. I'm sitting here watching by myself and it was like wow. Especially yeah. that iron that Day hit out of the rough over the water on 18 to that pin and to hold it, you know, in it, not get it all the way back over that ridge. Like nobody hits their second shot into that spot. There's just no way to hold it there. I mean, and Norin is just flushing shot after shot after shot the entire day. Um, yeah, I mean it's. I, I was really glad you know, Norton had like a six footer to save par or to make save his birdie there on 18 um, in the almost complete dark. I was really hoping he didn't blow it on that because that was, that had been a horrible way for it to end. 
Yeah, I was pretty tense when he was over that. I, I quite honestly assumed he was going to, you know, burn the edge there, just given, you know, that total darkness and the pressure of it all and that it wasn't <laughs> that close of a, of a birdie putt. But, right. you know, that that's the thing. I think kind of we need to appreciate what we saw. Those guys were stuffing it, and obviously they kind of had figured out how to play the 18th, which is always – I don't know if that's like a – a danger of like repeating over and over and over again, the same playoff hole, but you know, it, it's not the worst hole in a relatively benign, uninspiring course. So. It's intriguing. It's, there's a yeah. lot that goes into it. You know, there's suspense in every single shot. It's like, you know, if or is he hit the proper tee shot here to give himself the, a good distance to get on the green into, or are he missed the tee shot? Now we know he's going to have a little flip wedge into this pretty interesting pin. Can he knock it close? Blah blah. blah. I, I, it's intriguing. It's not. Yeah. It's not like genius, but it is. It does make for kind of good drama. So, um, all right, let's switch to the big cat. Um, okay. I want to first ask, what were you expecting going into this week? Uh, missed cut. Yep. I mean, that's just, I, I, you know, I didn't think it was a lock, but that was the expectation. I think, you know, we've gone through it a bit here. Tori is not the most friendly place to come back. And he, he countered that, that notion with saying, well, you know, going to starting that, say, career builder would be tougher, maybe just as tough because he knows he's got to go mid-60s every round just to kind of hang out, hang around, or, or make the cut. He's got to be at... 15 under whatever whatever the cut line was there saturday night um so you know but i I just thought you know (laughs) and and it bore out he missed every fairway and there's narrow fairways and it's high rough and i just didn't think it would go well you know i I didn't think it would be a disaster uh i didn't think there would be yips sorry but I, i thought he would miss the cut by you know one to three shots. I, I just, it, that was the most realist expectation. And, and we associate this course so much with, you know, eight wins and the U S open, but it's kicked his ass the last, you know, four years. Well, you know, that's like the only time he's for sure played because it's the start of the year before he gets injured. Um, and it, it's not gone well. So, so, you know, the recent history hasn't been the most kind. Well, what'd you expect? I thought miscut as well, and I'm trying to temper my my reaction to to what we saw with you know remembering that he needed a birdie, a pretty easy par five on the north course on his 36th hole to make the cut, right? So it almost yeah. was a miscut, and on that hole, sprayed a drive way right, but hit it like far enough right that he actually had a shot into the green. It was kind of a kind of a dirty birdie if we're willing to admit it. Having said yep. that, there were so many awesome signs from that weekend. I mean. That Saturday round, I mean, first of all, and I actually thought like the way that it was covered from like, maybe I've just gotten, maybe I've just trimmed down like my Twitter following list to like people that I can tolerate. And that <laughs> I thought the coverage was actually like really good, really fair. And nobody got too deep on either extreme or anything like that. And it was, it was just enjoyable. It was like all right, Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon rolled around. It was like, I got to get to my TV and I, I, yeah. I, I know I of course do this full time now and I, I should probably even watch more golf than I do, but this was like appointment viewing to watch tiger on a weekend, you know, at Torrey pines and in a real PGA tour event. And, you know, maybe he like had three strokes gained. Like he, he had to have led the, the field in strokes gained putting on Saturday, made everything he looked at um, the swing speed and like the recoils and stuff to me, <laughs> like it, 
it almost feels like he's he's just kind of showing off at this point, right? Like, look, this, this the back is not an issue, and I'm gonna te- I'm gonna push it to the absolute limit. Did you ever get that sense? Yeah, yeah, it's like something I, I've heard. It's like called tour sauce, you know, this little like recoil. It's a, I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but yeah, I think he's putting a little extra, a little extra sauce on it. Like it's not which is great, the most, which yeah, is great, yeah. totally yeah. not the most like necessary. And by you mean you, when you say coverage, you mean by like tweets, right? Cause yeah, get, yeah. The tweets can get really grating when Tiger's playing. It's just a lot of the same stuff said in a different way. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and and. Uh, it's cool to see him going full bore. It's cool to see his short game actually be an asset again. It's cool to see, you know, in turn rounds of 75 into whatever, 70 or, you know, 73 into a 70 like he did. Um, and he, I mean, he even said he should, should have been in the eighties. I think Lev tweeted that too. Um, and I just, you know, you, you called it like a dirty birdie and I think that's right, but I, and I wrote about this for tomorrow morning, so I'm stepping on it a little bit. But I thought like that, that was really kind of a, a triumphant moment. And you tweeted about, I think in the moment, how about how like you were feeling some feels, yeah. you know, when he was walking off the green, grinning. And like, we joke a lot about Cat in like a good natured way. And, and, but that was, that was legitimately cool to watch. And I'm getting a little sappy, but like, that was, that was awesome. It was, and, and, I thought that approach shot, he hit it so far right, he was in like a matted down part of the rough, like you said. And that approach, like, that bounced around the bunker. I mean, it cleared it by an inch, then like curved around it and scurried to the back of the green. Like, in all these prior failed comebacks, these like depressing slogs, that hits like the top of the bunker and rolls back in and, you know, he doesn't get up and down. Like, that was just a moment... And it's, again, subjective, and we're not going to talk about, like, Tiger magic. Like, that's nonsense. But, like, it was a moment that made made this comeback feel a little different to me just because that whole Friday felt a little depressing from the du- double bogey. You know, we took it unplayable early on. It just kind of felt like we were going to play it out, and he was going to go home early. And that would have been fine, but it just felt, like, a little kind of disappointing. And, and for that shot to clear it by whatever it was, a foot, you know, just felt like kind of a different outcome than these all these previous uh, previous comebacks. Usually, it would just roll back in. Are we sure there wasn't like a CBS exec down there with like a little mini <laughs> trampoline, like bouncing that ball up over that bunker? Um, <laughs> uh, I think, like you know, I, I I don't pretend I don't want to pretend to be like a. I've always kind of viewed, and I've said this before, like I've always viewed Tiger as a robot. I didn't. I've never really viewed him as a human, uh, and I kind of think like the way I view his comeback, I see it much more from a, a human perspective. And sure. I, I just feel like he's so much more relatable now. Like we've all at some, you know, we all have, you know, our adversity and, and whatnot in life. And for so many years, he didn't really have real adversity. And he, you know, it kind of going back to, I remember like when his dad died and watching him win the 06 British and, you know, Stevie, like he goes and gives Stevie a hug after the after the round, and Stevie like goes to pull away from the hug, and Tiger yeah. doesn't pull away. And I remember just being like, you know, looking at that and thinking like, there's, you know, there, as weird as it is to say it, like there's a human in there because again, that's yeah. just not the lens I've always viewed him from. So, so for now to think about all the things he's gone through with these injuries, and I, and I and I, I don't know, it's always the top of the news cycle, but I think it is just easy to forget that there's. I don't have the number. Is it something like fourteen surgeries or something between his knee and his back? And 
at 42, like who who else is coming back from that other than what is probably the greatest player to ever live? You know what I mean? Like this could yeah. all be over. He could have caved it in. And as of four months ago, he's only hitting, you know, 60 yard shots and whatnot. And here he is like, you know, not having played a weekend in almost three years. And he's walking off that 18th green. This, the crowd is overflowing and he gets that nice long walk and they're just kind of saluting him that he just birdied the last hole to make the cut. That was awesome. That was so cool. It did make me feel the feels. And it was a Friday afternoon. I don't know how many people were watching, how many people were at work and whatnot, but it was, it was great. And it set the scene, you know, for several more great moments of the weekend and, I mean, I, I think, you know, without getting overexcited about it, I think, it again, it's it was great to see. There are, are some concerns with the game. I know a lot of people were reacting pretty strongly to the way he was driving the ball. He did hit, like, 21 fairways for the week, which is just comically low. I, mean, I think it was maybe, like, 17 fairways or I something thought, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I just I didn't think he drove it very well in the Bahamas. The little bit that I saw, those fairways are just way wider out there. Um, and the, the, the fairways at Torrey are not that wide and he's lashing with driver and guys typically miss a lot of fairways, you know, at, at Torrey just in general, because it's narrow, but I didn't think it was like that drastically worse than the Bahamas, but you probably saw more in the Bahamas than I did. Was it, was it that noticeably worse? Uh, I thought so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I, I thought in the Bahamas, it was like, I know the fairways are wider, but there were so many, you know, even I guess maybe I'm biased by that one that he just right. moved directly <laughs> at the shoot onto the green. Um, you know, he also switched drivers since then. I don't, I'm not like a gearhead or going to get into if that matters at all, but like I don't know that I would have done that based on the way he was driving it in the Bahamas. I, I thought, you know, <laughs> he looked I, – I, th- I think it was noticeably better in the Bahamas. Um, and, you know, you talk about him being like relatable – more relatable, more human. I think that's that's certainly there, but I I think he's just more sympathetic. I think he could still be a robot, maybe maybe you know not the nicest person, but I, or he's a great person. I'm not saying he's not the nicest person, but right. he, you know some people certainly will say that and are tiger haters. But I, I think he's just sympathetic, whether you're a hate, whether you hate him or not. And I'm not sure, like because he was this the like greatest of all time. I'm not sure, like it allowed him to kind of slink away at 42. Like he might've felt compelled to attempt the comeback. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, maybe he wasn't afforded that luxury, like to just kind of go quietly, like a, whatever, uh, the Marco mirror, whoever, you know, just some other guy. He can't just really like go away quietly. He's gotta be like, are you coming back or not? Or are you done or not? And I don't think that's, I've written about that before. I don't think that's really fair. But again, you know, maybe just because of his stature in the game, it almost like compelled a, a comeback attempt. Yeah, no, and I, I've, I forget what I was talking about uh, with talking about this with this weekend, but it was it was like, you know, why why wouldn't why would he come back? Why do you want to continue doing this? And you know, not, why why wouldn't you just walk away? But it's like he's already kind of gone through the worst embarrassment you can, both from a personal and from a golf perspective. Like I hope. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I yeah. hope. Um, so. But like but yeah. what happened at the, you know, he shot 85 Memorial, the bladed chips in Phoenix and the top three wood at Chambers Bay. And like, in his mind, he's got to be like, all right, it, it, it could be just as bad. This comeback, like I might be topping shots. It might be really awful, but no matter what happens, if I quit now, people are going to remember my, my the conclusion of my career being those tops and that terrible 
just horrible end. Or, you know what, I have a chance to at least show people I still had something at 42 and into my 40s, and I could still be competitive. I don't know if he's going to win. I think I'd feel a lot better about it if... You know, he was hitting a ton of greens and had a bunch of 15 footers and just nothing fell. Then I do sitting here and knowing that he made a ton of putts on the weekend and it was kind of scrapey and it was, you know, it's easy for, you know, if that part of his game wasn't fully there for that to have spiraled out of control pretty quickly. So um, does does what happened here this week change any any way you view his 2018 season? Um. I don't. I don't think it does. I think it's a reaffirmation that this is this comeback is a little different, and he seems to be in a better spot. I, I don't think we can kind of get carried away and extrapolate that you know he's back or whatever whatever that means. That's an empty empty term now. But um, I, I think you know it's an affirmation that he can play. Uh, that you know this comeback is different, and it's there's more optimism that he can play a full season, a full schedule make some cuts, post some top 25, post the top 10, maybe win. But I think it's just, there's just optimism for it. I don't think it's like a guarantee that that's going to happen. I think there's just, it's just more encouraging that it's possible that he can play a full schedule and, and be a competitive golfer on the PGA tour. I mean, he finished tied for 23rd. Like I just, right. just I'm realizing that now, like it's just remarkable. It really is. That's just, it's, that's awesome. Not only made the cut, finished tied for 23rd. At one point on that, I almost fired off my uh, my almost weekly text that I send to our group. But what if he won? Because at one point, he was like within six of the lead, which, again, I, I knew that there was no chance of it. But uh, yeah. it was just, I don't know. It was great to see him out there in the red, even if it was a blade collar. Um, he just... <laughs> he. he he looks as weird as to say. He just looks great. He looks great from a physical standpoint. Like his body looks very healthy. I feel like his face even looks a little bit younger. And uh, man, might be getting in too deep now. But there was there was plenty there to get excited about. Definitely noteworthy discussion. Again, I think the conversation can spiral out of control a lot. But that was great. I think it was uh, very encouraging. Do you? What do you think? What's a realistic finish for him at Riviera? Um. Uh- I mean, again, same issue. Like, there's not a lot of room to get wild with the driver. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think realistic. I guess uh, best case scenario, I think, is top 25. You know, right. top, somewhere between 15 and 25. You know, he's the host. You got all that go, that goes along with that, um, and all his people are there and stuff like that. So I think that's that's a best case scenario. Realistically, I think is you're probably he's probably fighting for the cut line again. Right? Yep. I mean that's I think that's the realistic. Yep. Approach. I think a made cut at Riv will be harder than at Tory. He's got such a better history at Tory, and that's what you know. As good as the putting was, a part of me just wants to wonder out loud how much can you attribute that to just so much experience putting those greens? You know, sure, I mean, sure. Putting feels kind of come and go, but at, when it comes down to it, he just knows those greens, knows the, that Poana, and he knows those literally those exact surfaces. Riv, he doesn't have nearly the experience uh, there and nearly the success there, so. Uh, the greens are a bit smaller there, and you can't. I, from my perspective, I would say you can't really get away by hitting really wayward shots there as much as you can at uh, at Tory. Because I mean, some of his shots again were so far offline that they actually ended up with decent lines and stuff. But I think Riv just a little bit more. Uh, I mean, opposite end of the spectrum when it comes from an architectural standpoint, as far as positioning yourself and getting yourself the proper angles into holes and whatnot. So it's going to be a much more, much better ball striking test. Uh, than Tory Pines was, I think. But I hope he makes a cut. Obviously, uh, I think that's uh, that doesn't really change 
my personal goal, I guess, whatever for, for that tournament, but it'd still be made cut would be a success in my mind. I heard you say feels. How great was that? That he's just throwing those left and right. Just my feels, feels are feels, all feels. off. My feels are all off. It's great. He, he used it three times in about like twenty five seconds with Dottie on Saturday. And then and then today, it's so incredible. He finishes like this slog of a round, like just grinds out a, a seventy two and he goes a he just says like, oh, I, I was thinking sixty five would get me in the playoff. It's like incredible. He can't stop laughing. He was it's right. Amazing. It would have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was right. But I mean, come on. I love that he just throws that out there afterwards. Uh, I mean, it truly, you know, it truly. We always make fun of the, you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't think I could win the tournament. But man, that is maybe just a truly special mindset he has. All right, that's enough on the cat. Um, all right, it's time. We're going to address uh, Mr. Alex Noren in this scenario. Before I say anything, I want to ask you, what did, what did you think my take was on Alex Noren? I, I mean, this has gotten so confusing and mixed up. And between this, and, and I'm not just trying to be nice here because you got me on your podcast. <laughs> no, but, let me hear um, it. Like I don't, I'm I'm kind of like confused by all the people who tweet at you about like one your Ryder Cup thing, uh, you know Americans are gonna win, you know, by, in a landslide, which wasn't your take I, as far as I know. Correct. And I don't think, as I understand it, your Norman take wasn't that he sucks at golf or he's <laughs> never gonna he's he's garbage and he's never gonna win on the tour or he's never gonna get better or win, uh, you know, anything important. You just thought like his ranking at the time seemed incongruous with, you know, and not commensurate with what, you know, he had accomplished. And, you know, it, that didn't mean he sucked. Uh, and that's that's my understanding of your take. OK, well, that makes me feel better because I'm starting to realize or maybe I'm starting to think that, like, I've just totally screwed up how I've said it. And I'm willing to take the blame on that. I've not delivered my message very well because. Clearly, a lot of people, almost entirely on the European side of the pond, uh, have think that I despise Alex Norin and tag him in every tweet and <laughs> say, like, why do you hate Alex Norin or you were wrong about him and all this. You, I, I think you're right. And what I've tried to say as my take is at the time, I think it was when he was like eighth in the world. My yeah. point was, I was like, I don't think he's a top 10 player in the world. And I think there's 10 players, 15, 20 maybe behind him that I would take over him. That was my point in that. I think that what has been again scientifically proven by like somebody like Mark Brody um, with like pretty much irrefutable data that yeah. the official world golf rankings have a bias towards people that play outside of the PGA Tour. That's like a fact. I'm not gonna like you could do a whole podcast as getting to that conclusion as to why that is the fact, but if you read like Brody's 19 page Columbia um, University paper, which I looked at today before I made this take or made sure of this take <laughs> like you, that is the conclusion that is reached and it's really hard to hard to yeah. debate it. So by winning all the tournaments that he won, he had skyrocketed up the rankings. And I thought, you know, he hadn't like played the weekend of a major during that measured time period and made it to the top 10 in the world. That's where I'm like, something's off here in general. The take was, obviously, you don't win four or five European tour events in a short period of time if you're not extremely talented. And the events that he won were fantastic events with really good fields. My point was, like, you know, getting the the points for the wins just drives you way up the rankings. And if you're not, you know, beating Dustin Johnson and not beating Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and those guys on a regular basis, I have a hard time seeing you jump past them. So 
I'm thrilled to see him coming to the PGA Tour and you know playing here on a on a more complete schedule. And I honestly, I really enjoyed watching him today. Like he put on a stripe show. He was a machine, and he's been a machine in almost everywhere he's played. The take was never that he was not a great player. Uh, I just I I don't like necessarily. I wouldn't put him in the same bucket as Tommy Fleetwood, definitely not as John Rahm and some of the top European players, but like one of the top 10 players from Europe right now, of course I would. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of like where we stand. I, I, part of me thinks people are just trolling me and messing with me, and it's like, <laughs> but it, like it's demoralizing. It's like you can't even have a take anymore without it getting totally misconstrued, and maybe I've just been terrible at, at making it. But man, that was not fun to like... What like read all that crap and I'm like I'm not even rooting against him I'm really yeah. not so yeah I think like you could like two things can be true at the same time you right. know like obviously it's just like there's little room for I don't know you know <laughs> interpretation or nuance I guess it's like you know you could say I mean he won the BMW PGA that's a big event there were some there were some big names missing in that last year like that doesn't mean it wasn't an accomplishment or it doesn't mean he sucks or he doesn't have big things coming like it's that's the thing. It's like you're you're saying, you know, Alex Noren's a fad, <laughs> but that's not what you said. He's like, I'm just not sure where he's slotted right now. Right. Um, is commensurate with what he's done, and that doesn't mean the future's not bright. Exactly. So. Thank you, guy. Should have. I, I needed to have somebody else on though that was willing to like disagree with me because it's 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 too much. We're too much in. A, I needed to take at least a couple punches on this apparently. But <laughs> uh, I, I I mean in general his ranking has leveled out like since that crazy winning spurt. He's now 19th in the world. I think that's a very fair ranking by right behind Tyrrell Hatton, right in front of Brian Harmon. Like I I don't see. I have no qualms with kind of him being in that in that in that area. So. Uh, I just, I honestly do think that maybe this is the conclusion that there's a difference in getting to the top 10 in the world playing through the PGA Tour than there is playing through the European Tour. Does that make sense? And is that fair? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, it probably doesn't sit well with some people, but I, no. it's, it's, it's okay to have a, a take like that. Can, um, I, can I also say something? European fans not taking yeah. it very well that they did not win the most recent Ryder Cup. I'm just going to say that there there is a lot of like inferiority <laughs> complex going on right now. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm saying this like the amount of like the 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 amount of chirp we got after a very successful week for the European players in January and saying like don't you want to revise your stance on the Ryder Cup now was like well no, there's a lot of a lot of golf that to be played between now and then like I know no like. Have you heard anyone besides Shipnick's ridiculous column? Have you heard anyone say that the European team is not going to be strong? No, this like is one single person. No, this is this reminds me of I don't know if you remember. You were probably you know prancing about Holland when this happened, but uh, when Alabama was going to the college football playoff last year, like someone got into their locker room and they had all this fake bulletin board quotes. And they were like they weren't even like done well. It was like the most fake news. And they had like <laughs> the one is just like on this eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. It's just Washington will beat Alabama because Alabama is overconfident. And it's like in quotes, and then it's attributed to the national media. <laughs> That's all it says. <laughs> national media. So this is what they had on their bulletin board last year. So I think like you know, kind of like ce- celebrating the Presidents' Cup win. They. They crushed the internationals. They were awesome. 
They crushed in 2016 at Hazeltine. They were awesome. Like celebrating that has kind of been like twisted into all this like bulletin board material that they're going to roll in France. Like I think that like it reminds me of this statement. Like people are putting stuff up, fake quotes up on their bulletin board to then write an article saying like, oh, you better slow down on all that crown their ass stuff you guys are writing about the USA. Like no one's no one has said that. They've celebrated how good they've looked the last two team events out. But no one's, you know, I, I think they're just kind of creating these straw men or straw men to write the article saying, oh, USA better not count their chickens before the hatch or whatever it is, you know? Right. There's a quote, the, the headline of John Huggins article for Golf World says the Americans should be careful about what they say about the Ryder Cup. It could come back to haunt them. There is not one single quote in the article of any like American player saying anything of, of like overconfidence at all, and I do think it all could be tied back to Shipnook's column, which I think most of Europe thinks that I wrote. Like people are all over <laughs> me, thinking that I've just declared that the Ryder Cup is dead. Um, Americans, Americans, in quote, that's like national media, right? <laughs> but quoting just national media, whatever but, that means. Even Rory made a comment in Abu Dhabi, and I asked him about it. He said something like, "I don't think it's going to be, you know, as easy as they think it's going to be." I'm like, "Do you really? Do people really think that U.S. team thinks they can walk into France and just win easily?" There's a difference between me thinking the U.S. is going to win, which is what I do think, and me thinking they're going to roll and stomp in their guaranteed victory. And there's also a much bigger difference than like the players thinking that they're going to walk in there and win. I don't think there's a single player that thinks that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, yes, I think they're confident and they're they buoyed, by their, you know, buoyed by their last two wins and um, feel like this is as good a chance as any. But, it, yeah, of course they don't think it's just going to be, maybe there's one or two kind of, you know, idiots on the team. I, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> saying, I'm not naming names. Oh, or thinking, I wanted you to. <laughs> I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. But, of course, maybe there's some guy who's overconfident or kind of, over his skis about it, but no, I don't think anyone really on the team assumes they're going to just crush him. Okay. But can we? Hey, can I? Can I take the reins here for just a second? Oh, absolutely, Mr. Ryder Cup. Absolutely, we're gonna we're gonna weave cat in here real quick. Oh, <laughs> so like, what is? I'm doing the, the Elmo fresh... right now. Let's do it. <laughs> ah! So, <laughs> what is the threshold? You're you're Mr. Ryder Cup. And it's January, but we're allowed to do this. Oh, yeah. What is the threshold for him this year to not make the Ryder Cup? Like, how well, how bad does it have to be? Like, because I think, like, you know, if he plays a full season, um, does he play the way that he did this week the entire year? Is he on the team? Does he make, if he makes more cuts than he misses, is he on the team? If he posts a top 10 and doesn't win all year, is he on? Like, what is, like, what is the threshold for him not making the team? <clears throat> I would have I would have not welcomed any Cat Ryder Cup talk at all before seeing this this past week. Uh, as much yeah. as I was concerned with some of the sprays and you know some of the ball striking, like there was enough to show me that there's a ton still there from a mental perspective and from like a focus. And as much as he said his feels were off, like it looked like he had been playing a lot of golf, which we've not yeah. seen in previous some of the previous comebacks. So for me, it's like okay, I don't think he's like super close, but I don't think he's really far off. Um, I think I actually sound exactly like him by saying that, but um, <laughs> we were talking about this at lunch today. I actually hadn't really thought about cat for the Ryder cup until today and started thinking about how interesting it's going to be. If he sits at like 20th in the rankings or something like that, or, you know, if he is at least threatened to win a couple tournaments, 
um, from within that locker room, especially some of those younger guys that he's really bonded with, and you know he's tight with the, with Jim Furyk, and he's tight with the all of what the other assistant captains are going to be. The overwhelming voice from inside that locker room is going to want to say, "We are absolutely taking this guy if he's even close." Uh, so it's a really good question as to what is the threshold. If he's like thirtieth in the point standings, do they give him the nod? If there's not somebody there that's like screaming for the spot, you know, like I don't know, this past red like in 2016, yeah. there wasn't like a you know Ryan Moore got that last spot, and you know as much as everyone screamed and yelled that he should get it, it was like, all right, Hazeltine's kind of a bomber's course. Is that really the best fit? And he kind of got the position by default by playing into it. But in that scenario, I'm saying like if Tiger's floating out there and kind of playing like this. From just yeah. a, a overall perspective, and how, as much as they shouldn't think of it this way, promotion of the event um, and what that would mean to that locker room to have him on the team, I think they would go for it. And I think it's a, I'm, I think it's time to ring the bell. I think it's time to say it is a realistic goal for the end of the season for Tiger for the Ryder Cup. Keep in mind, I also said that about Bryson DeChambeau after one start in 2016. <laughs> so I could be wrong, but I think it is at least reasonable to start thinking about it. Obviously, a ton of things have to happen between now and then for that to be the case, but I, I don't think that's unreasonable. Do you? No. I mean, I think Tiger should have played in the 2016 Ryder Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, he was supposed to start at the Safeway Open like three weeks later i mean just for crowd purposes they didn't even need him get up there hit one shot you know and the crowd loses their mind it would have been as effective as lee westwood you know i think like that that week so i I think he should have played 2016 i I don't know it's it's an exhibition of course it means a lot um but yeah i think i think it's gotta be like if he plays a full season i really think that threshold's gotta be bad like he's gotta miss like a lot of cuts you know and take himself out of the running but I think if he plays a full season and he's healthy, um, man, it's going to be hard. There, there, there's there's going to need to be like a really, really obvious two captains picks or, you know, four guys fighting for the two spots. You know, it's four of. captains picks, isn't it? Or whatever. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I've heard several people say two captains picks. I'm like, that. I don't think they changed it. I love that. It should have four captains picks. Well, they got rid of the whatever. No, the they didn't. Horsel rule? No, they didn't. That, that's still in play. And I. I, they screwed it up this year because the timing doesn't doesn't work out the way that uh, this oh, whole, that, yeah. the horse yeah. rule really makes me upset and and I've, <laughs> I've wrote about it when they when they announced they were going to keep it the same but like it, they're going to uh, I have to go back they make the pick before the tour championship now I think I'll look back is at that, that it there's is something because, there's no break this year right they go right to France correct there's a break before the tour championship. Um, I'm gonna to have to double check it. I hope they don't make it after the tour championship. That would be that would be insane. Um, no, they, there's no way they could do that from a passport, even like travel arrangement perspective. So, um, but there's there is still something wrong with it. I forget what I wrote about it last year. I can find the yeah, article. Yeah, it's, it's four captains. Yeah, yeah, four captains picks. You know, three after Boston, and then one after Chicago, or one after I guess it's Aronami this year. So, oh yeah, so that was the screw up. Was you know they, they're essentially making they're waiting. Um, one extra week to make that pick, that one final pick, even though it's still going to be, they're going to make it, and it's still going to be like essentially three weeks before they start playing. It's not like this insane run like we saw Billy Horschel make plus the yeah. gap, 
and like it, it, it's just yeah it's the timing is all messed up and that what's the point in delaying out that one pick just make all of your picks after chicago like there's no rush to make them you give guys plenty of time you have an entire off week and then you have the tour championship and then you go travel like there's plenty of time that to kind of set your team like that so there's no reason to delay that one pick but I mean, they're they do this rule for kind of i don't know perception purposes or whatnot but um you got it it's got yeah the best is when Big Cat doesn't even make the playoffs or gets bounced oh. at Northern Trust and then just gets picked. <laughs> it's gonna look, man, so many columns are going to be written about this throughout the throughout the course of the year, just floating the question. We're doing it right now. We're entertaining the discussion. I think we we can we can at least uh, get to there. Um, all right, I want to talk about the broadcast. Okay. Um, what did you think about? Did you notice any any differences? I guess I should say uh, from CBS from potentially from last year to this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously the pro tracer is like the most noticeable thing, and you called it out on the fairway stuff. Like, you know, let's top tracer. You know, five, People will yeah. yeah. What a, God, <laughs> tracer technology. Like, we're gonna debrand that. It's just tracer technology. We don't need brands, you know, weaving their way in. It was such a um, great name with pro tracer. I know. I, know. I, I, ref, I refer to that. I actually in will too. Article I write. I will you know, too. Everything. Um, but yeah, like you know, Fox obviously set the tone with that. You know the the mid fairway tracer, and um, you know that was like the most noticeable thing. And and Nance made sure to tell us they showed two hundred some shots on Saturday, and like that's good. I mean, I think you know. Well, what did you like, think about that? Like, to me, it felt like I was I was fifty fifty on that when he announced yeah. that they're showing their two hundredth shot. I was like, all right, that that felt. And I don't want to, you know, take it too seriously, but felt like, all right, I'm listening to you, social media people that are, you sure. know, killing us. Like they, they, they. I know for a fact, like a million percent, like a hundred percent fact, that CBS is very well aware of the social media feedback, and I've, I've right. said that a lot on the show. Um, but you know, for them to have at least responded in some way felt pretty significant. And I know people gave me some. I, I kind of gave a compliment on the broadcast, and people were like, I don't know what you were watching; it was still terrible. It's like. Yeah. There's there's not going to be wholesale changes, okay? Like they're like, oh, commentary was terrible. Well, guess what? It's the same crew back. Like you're still going to get Gary McCord, and you're still going to get, you know, the same people doing. You know, you're going to get Faldo doing his thing, and Nance is never going to change his formula. Like that's that's always going to be there. But if they're at least saying, all right, we're incorporating more technology, we're bringing Pro Tracer into the fairway, and we're going to mm-hmm. show a lot more golf shots, and at least tell you that we're going to show a lot more golf shots or show like at least an effort. That's at least progress and progress in the area that we would like it. Like probably the most important area I would think. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's fine. And I was, I was, I've been hesitant to like really jump on them in the past. Cause I think like you can just social media can be called from this like angry ball of group thing. Um, I'm not saying it wasn't justified. You know, CBS was, there was noticeably not as good as some of the other, um, productions, but you know, I've been, I guess, less hard on them unless it was really bad. Like last year's farmers was brutal. And I wrote about it. And so I think like they have a PR problem or have had a PR problem. So I'm okay with Nance saying like, Hey, we showed 200 shots. Cause it is like, they're just trying to make sure you're aware, like, Hey, we're trying and we're making, making a difference here. And, and I think so, you know, they're kind of combating the PR problem. I'm fine with that. And they're making strides, but um, I thought it was it was a good broadcast. I'm I'm cool with it. I like Costas. I like Costas on Thursday because um, you know whatever he crosses over and does Golf Channel stuff. Like I think he's important to have um, for a Tiger comeback like this when like 
like a lot of times you're not too into you know the minutia of the swing uh, or how a player is looking but when tiger comes back after a year you definitely are and is coaching himself and all this stuff you want someone like costas as opposed to you know some maybe friend of tigers or you know some guys just giggling with them and stuff like that like costas was really good in that regard um and then on the weekend i thought you know they improved and stepped up they're they got to do something about the first impression though you know like their first impression oh. is people coming in <laughs> furious about the coverage gap furious about having to like you know they do their intro and talk for five six minutes before they show a shot like um maybe that's just there's nothing they can do about it uh i think there probably is but that's the problem. That's that's the first impression, and it gets people pissed off, and kind of can take away from all the improvements they make over the next two, three hours. You know, totally. No, and I think you know we we've harped on the coverage gap, and yeah. we, we're understanding that it takes it is from graphic switching from NBC broadcast, which is Golf Channel, over to CBS. My question, yeah. and that somebody tweeted this at me. Sorry, I don't have the handle near me, but pretty funny how when the CBS broadcast goes back to Golf Channel for the playoff. There wasn't really much of a delay there. There wasn't much of an issue there. Why? How? And again, well, they I use think, the CBS graphics for that. Yeah, that's it's true. Just on Golf Channel. That's like, true. It still kind of looks the same. So but yes, aware of the fact that there is coverage available via PGA Tour Live uh, during that time, and you know, I'm, I'm usually watching golf at home, and I'm able to get to that. So, and people are like, "Oh, you can watch on PGA Tour." I'm aware of that. Like, I, I know that. A lot of people that are watching golf, like today, I was at Freddie's first birthday party, and it was during the coverage gap, and I didn't have PGA Tour Live available for me to watch. Like, I, there was not, like, TV was the only option, and for a lot of people, TV is the only option. As much as we are and I emphasize how great of value and great of a product the PGA Tour Live is, it's not a realistic option to tell people to go from Golf Channel to PGA Tour Live to CBS within 30 minutes to like consistently stream like you're gonna lose people throughout that part so and again i think bob herrick chimed in and said you know clearly like this or somebody said something yeah like he was this, he was tweeting at me a little bit about it and what did he say it was confrontational a, way but he was just saying like don't you think they would have fixed it by now if this you know were that easy a fix they know people think it's objectionable sure and and that's obviously like they would love to have the coverage but just speaking from a broad perspective, this goes back to something regarding how they've structured their TV deals, and it ultimately all comes back to money, just in some in some way, sure. that's like anything does. But whatever deals they've worked out, and you know they're they're probably stuck in stuck in these deals, and they can't change the the timing of the programming and all that stuff now. But that's what they agreed to do, and they've created a product in which. For prime time, pretty prime time, not the most prime, but some of the most important time of the weekend, they go off the air for 30 minutes. And it's just insane. It's absolutely insane. Again, I don't have a quick fix for it. I don't want to pretend to know how what the next step to it is. But they've set up something where they take their product off the air. And like Tiger Woods was playing the 18th hole at Torrey Pines on Saturday, and it went off the air. Like It was just insane. Yeah. That's it's obviously accentuated by the circumstances this weekend. Like obviously, you know, it, it's worse when Tiger's on playing his first weekend in 900 days than it is when, you know, you got like James Hahn, you know, on the fifth hole at the St. Jude, you know, Memphis. Yeah, it's just it, it was accentuated this year or this weekend. And I don't know. I'm an idiot. I don't know if I was. I was having trouble with the streams on Saturday. Like. I was I was on PJ Tour Live and had the URL like CBS simulcast and all I was getting was you know Tom Hoagie putting out on the 14th you know it was featured holes 
stream. Like, I, I don't know if I was just, I, I fully uh, would cop to user error, but I don't know. I was not getting really consistent coverage of Tiger during the gap on the streams. So what um, what happens if it's consistent with what I experienced in Europe um, was for that thirty minutes they go to what's like the world feed like the PGA yeah. Tour world feed right. and it's actually kind of cool like they just they literally pop around to the most random people you could think of on the golf course that's probably why you're seeing Tom Hoagie or whatever <laughs> it was that may have been the feature groups but I had the same issue and you're talking to two people that again do this like for a living and we couldn't quite figure out how to watch it so how are like your somewhat casual viewers and the, the 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 pga tour seems very focused and almost obsessed with reaching the casual viewers more than their than their hardcore viewers how do you expect casual viewers to like what like take the product in in that time i mean uh i don't know why i thought it would get figured out i really did um and that was probably that's probably on me like that, that is on me but but also you could be at a bar like maybe you got like you're out you know you're at a yeah. bar and you're watching on cbs and you you're watching golf is on at a bar because tiger woods is playing and then it just goes away you know like that that that's kind of another issue there that you don't really consider because you're usually at home on your laptop yeah yeah, very true. Um, I thought it was hilarious how often they did mention the top tracer as if it was like a new thing. That was like uh, that said so much to me, of like about how much they emphasized it. Was like, guys, this is this has been here, and I know they've had it on certain tees and stuff like that, but that it's such a point of emphasis this year. To oh, we got the top tracer on this shot. It's like, man, Fox does this on every single shot, and I get it. It's yeah. different to do it one not one week a year, but we see it mostly at the Men's U.S. Open, obviously. But to like, you know, ha- have it showing that that was a possibility, and then it took them, you know, three, four years to get it in the same same position with CBS was, I don't know. It didn't need to be emphasized as much that they're using technology. It's like, all right, we get it, Grandpa. Like you figured out how to use your iPhone. Like, come on. <laughs> hey, let's just we'll start slow. They did a good job. I know. They, they I know. Better, and they should be commended for it. Hey, they're listening. I gave them credit yeah. for the good things, but if they're listening, we're giving you plenty of other things to. Uh, Plenty of other things to continue to improve on. I don't think the coverage <laughs> gap is going to get fixed next week in time. But uh, I, for the most part, I just in, it kept my attention so much better. And that's the biggest takeaway. I don't know if there was less ad time, but it felt like it. And again, I don't know. Again, I didn't time it out, but maybe they just did better showing more golf course shots and stuff like that. Um, the Ian Baker Finch rogue sections yeah, probably can naturally work that product in a little bit better. That was not well received, but... Um, but yeah, other than that, um, it was just entertaining. I know the big cat helps with the broadcast, and it just helps things flow a lot better. But uh, I don't know. I'm 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 excited after this past weekend. That was that got my golf juices flowing a little bit. Yeah, and they, I mean, you know, just quickly, they don't get Tory doesn't necessarily always promote like the most sexy and exciting broadcast. It pr- promotes you know shot scenic shots of paragliders and stuff. But like the golf isn't you know True. this has been kind of you know, hammered home this week again is the golf isn't, you don't get big birdie streaks or swings and, and things like that. You know, you don't necessarily get a lot of implosions either. So, you know, it doesn't give them a lot to work with in terms of the course. And today the round's going six hours to, to make it really a kind of thrilling broadcast. Every year it but, goes through the same cycle where like leading up to the tournament, people are like harping about how like how overrated and terrible Tory Pines is. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, there's been some great moments. And then every year I watch the tournament, I'm like, oh, this is just I can't get behind this kind of setup. Like it's just not it's not entertaining. You're exactly right. And you know, Tron and a lot of people are making the point like Tory just with that land could be so amazing. And right. it's, it's just not. It's really just not an amazing golf course. 
Yeah, but I mean, it's a good start. I think I love the West Coast swing. Oh, I, just, yeah. I think it's good. So, I mean, hopefully they kind of sustain it just like Big Cat, you know, Big Cat's health. Now, now we need to see it week over week. Here we go. Um, you're not going to uh, Phoenix, are you? Uh, no, no. A colleague of mine may or may not go, which could be exciting. Awesome. But uh, I'm not going to go, I don't think. There may be uh we might be making an appearance on Saturday at uh I've never I've never been. I've never been, I've never seen the sixteenth hole. Uh I know it's been uh it's heavily, heavily covered, but I think uh just might might be making it happen this year. It looks like it is gonna happen. So uh we're not quite yeah. sure what's gonna be in store for it, but it's gonna be it's gonna be entertaining, I promise that. Yeah, I've I've never never been. Obviously it's on the list. Uh, I'd love to get some year get there one year. I think I'm gonna do Genesis though. We'll see. Nice. That's that's the plan. That's a good one to do. Uh, anything we missed from the week? Uh, I mean, I'm ready to do another 45 minutes on the PGA show if you're down for it. You know? <laughs> Did you? I actually, I deserve some kind of medal or badge because it was a goal of mine to go to the PGA show and not tweet once about it, and I, it, it, it can be done. I proved it can be done. <laughs> I've never yeah, understood he- why people go and like just tweet a million things about it as if that's what like followers signed up for. Like it is the most like inside baseball of, of inside things you can do. And like it it was, it was entertaining. It was, it was actually kind of amazing to go there and we got to do some kind of cool stuff and got to listen to uh, Bill core and David McClay kid, uh, a little teaser for a potential podcast guest there. Um, do like a a luncheon and stuff. And there, it could even be a lot cooler. Um, as far as, you know, the things they set up from like a, like a conference standpoint and whatnot, but it was, it was kind of cool just that like so many people in the world of golf were in, in one place and, uh, to kind of, you know, network a little bit and see some cool products and stuff like that. It was, it was, it was way better than I was expecting. I was actually dreading going, but we had a good time. Yeah. That's my t- quick take. I think is like, it's, it's brutal if you're following from afar, like yeah. the content coming out of it, whether it's tweets or coverage on TV or anything like that's just rough. You know, here's, you know, tweet of the, golf underwear product line of so so and so and i think that's brutal but i'm super intrigued actually by it being on the ground like I, i've come around on it i actually think it would be cool to go to it's just following from afar is you yep. know nauseating and dj's been to a bunch of them but he said this was by far the best one and i know a lot of the a lot of the guys that are veterans of this thing said this this year was by far the best one so if you're cool. a chance to go i i, rec- I would recommend it I'll, I'll definitely be back so it was, it was a good enough time but uh yeah, just don't ever do it. Just be cool. <laughs> what else is in your notes? I don't want to sign off before we miss anything. Uh, I think we're, I don't know. I mean, we got, I, what, I, what about? I, I managed to piss the Euros off even more than usual in this one, I'm pretty sure. So, <laughs> they got to fight fire with fire. Tiger's outfits are a little little off, you know, like the blade collar, like you, you, you expect that. But like the material, I, I couldn't figure it out. Like it was... Like, he just looked way different in it than, like, Rory and Day do. I don't know if it was a little, like, baggier or what. Like, the material looked like like that Missy Elliott, like, video. Like, that Tupa Tupa Fly. You might be too young. You know? I'm, like, two I'm years was, younger than you. Uh, Tron, I'm not saying it was baggy, but it looked like that kind of material. Tron tweeted something, like, uh, something about him wearing, like, a leather shirt um, on Thursday. I'm trying to find who said it. Somebody replied, he's actually wearing the skin of Stephen Ames, <laughs> which was amazing. But that's perfect. Um, no, yeah, he, Blade Collar was just kind of, I don't, I don't know if he was like, if he, his last real comeback was pre Blade Collar, but man, it didn't, I didn't, I don't know. I don't know what was worse, the mock, the mock uh, turtleneck 
you know, no collar shirt with the red or the blade collar, but I don't know. I did get a couple of replies like, really? What's wrong with the blade collar? It's like, oh my guys, come on. <laughs> I mean, if, if you like reasonably, if you should be, if you showed up at Augusta, they should tell you like the planet fitness is three miles down the road. <laughs> like that's like, that's a reasonable reaction. If you saw someone roll down Magnolia lane in that, like that, <laughs> Like and someone asked Billy Payne about it last year. I remember I was like losing my mind. It was so good, and he just you know I don't think he knew what it was. But that that's that's reasonable reaction to it. Nothing against Nike. Nike is like I'm not trying to sell brands. Like I buy a lot of Nike shoes. I wear a lot of Nike clothes, and my kids do too. But I just I don't know. Not not in on the Blake collar. So yep. No, that's that's understandable. So. All right, I think we got it covered, man. Um, well, I guess this will be really the dumbest part, but who do you think wins tomorrow? This will already that'll probably already be settled by people oh, listening God. to this. But um, I just I think Alex Norn wins just so you can get tweeted out a million times. I honestly I hope he does win. I'm I'm rooting <laughs> for him to win. I, let's power through this because I want to enjoy watching him play because I really actually do. Uh, I don't enjoy the pre-shot routine, but I enjoy watching him play. So I hope that uh, I hope that Norrin wins. But if he doesn't and Day wins, then we get to see Tron wiggle a little bit. So that'll be entertaining <laughs> as well. So nice. So BP, thanks for joining. Uh, I know that was much later tonight than we were planning with the late golf, but uh, grab some dinner for yourself and uh, I appreciate you coming on. All right, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it, man. Later, buddy. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 